I'm a very hard worker. I told myself, if I put as much work into this as I do into this job, I would be a success. <laughs> so then that's what I did. Welcome to the very first episode of We Create Podcast. I am your host, Tanisha Blakely. This podcast is powered by BlackFavesMarket.com. It's an online marketplace showcasing Black entrepreneurs. On this podcast, I'll be talking with artists, entrepreneurs, and a range of creative people who are going to talk about the business and the lifestyle of creating things. This very first episode, I spoke to a really close friend of mine, uh, Natalie Osborne. She's a painter, super talented. And we get into really, you know, personal conversations about what she went through to become a full-time artist, dealing with um, having confidence, dealing with, you know, taking the risk and betting on yourself. I hope this episode is useful and encouraging to people. She had a, a lot of great tips on how to sell your work on Instagram, her experience with um, online selling, just platforms that she uses. So let's get started with the episode. I really hope you enjoy. Which one is harder, making art or selling your art? I would say they are both the same level of difficulty. Um, mm. okay. selling, it, selling it, I get a break, and making it, I get a break. So selling it, there's a season where the markets are open in Chicago, and the markets are, like, thriving. And um, these are kind of vendor markets. And people who make things uh, will get in these markets. And so it kind of starts thriving around April. So it's like April, May, June, all the way until fall. And so selling it, you get that break. You get like that seasonal break where you're going to be fine selling. Because okay. um, if, you if you've made the product. And then making it, it's the same thing. You're going to have the difficulty. And then once you push through kind of a season of of a bunch of misses <laughs> okay. all of a sudden you get this season where the things you're making are just kind of cranking out so I would say they have the equal equal amount of ebb and flow and you talked about the markets what type of markets do you participate in Normally, I would do the Randolph Street Market. I like the Randolph Street Market because it's so affordable. Okay. They have the Well Street Market. There's the Hyde Park uh, Art Fest. And I haven't reached really the point of Well Street Market and the Hyde Park Art Fest. The fees to get in are like $1,000. Oh, wow. Yes. So Randolph Street Market is an opportunity for artists because you don't Think that there's a market that costs two hundred dollars to participate. You just right. don't think so because all of them cost four hundred, eight hundred, a thousand. So finding out that there was one as affordable as Randolph Street Market that has the same amount of guests and same chance to make you know good money. It's like oh yeah. <laughs> 
that's the market that I really like. But I'm so grateful that there are markets in Chicago. Chicago is such a hub for artists and the creatives to be able to be an entrepreneur. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. So you also, like, I've noticed just following you on, well, we're friends on Facebook, obviously, and then following you on Instagram, you started selling your um, your art via social media, so posting uh, art pieces for people to kind of reach out to you uh, via your Etsy page. What motivated you to start selling that way? Um, I had started an Etsy page, um, and it wasn't the kind of traffic that I was expecting. I kind of looked at Etsy as a social media. It's kind of a Facebook, except what you're posting might sell. Okay. So you have to kind of stay on it and like things and, you know, see who likes yours and things. But it didn't have the traction. And then okay. I read an article in, it was a Vogue magazine, and there was a, a woman who stopped being a fashion editor to start her own business selling her art. And she's, uh, her quote was, every business needs a, every Insta business needs an Instagram. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, if you're thinking to instantly start a business, you need an Instagram. And she okay. talked about how much success she had had from, you know, you can have instant success. So, I just took that um, and thought, well, that's a good idea. And within the first year of starting my Instagram account, I got notice from interior designers, fashion designers, and they would buy the work from the Etsy page. So, wow. <laughs> so it was like, she was right. <laughs> Instagram. And um, so they'll like the picture because you get to utilize the hashtags, you know, interior design or design right. or fashion, whatever. And when they like it, they might message you and then you could say, oh, well, click the link, you know, because I use the link that um, Instagram gives you a chance to post the link and I use my Etsy as okay. my link on Instagram. So how long did it take for you to get your first sale from Instagram? Um, my first sale on Instagram... I was probably only on Instagram for about five or six months. Okay. Mm -hmm. And were you, did you think it would happen sooner than that? Or like by six months, you're like, okay. Because <laughs> sometimes people it's going to happen at all. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't think it was, I didn't think anybody <laughs> Let's see, I thought if people saw it, it was just going to be a couple people. And, you know, I thought, you know, they might like it. I didn't think, you know, anybody would, you know, really send a message and say, you know, how much is that? I want to buy that. So that it was surprising. Yeah. And <laughs> that's what, that's one of the things that gave me courage to be an entrepreneur um, was the reception on Instagram and also because I hated my job. <laughs> so, <laughs> That'll do it. That that will do it. <laughs> so, like, um, being able to see that people could, I could reach people on Instagram and they would reach 
back to me and want to buy it. I told myself, if I, I'm a very hard worker. I told myself, if I put as much work into this as I do into this job, I would be a success. <laughs> so then that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. So how long has it been since you've been, well, let me ask you this. Are you doing it full time now? Now I'm doing it full time. Okay. Congratulations on that. (laughs) So how long have you been doing it full time? Really not very long. I would say almost a year. Okay. That is, I mean, that's a, a decent time. I mean, okay. So Tell me about like leaving your job and what that experience was like. Yes. I mean, I'm sure that was a, a process. <laughs> yes. Because see, <laughs> we, I was convinced that I have to have a two week pay. There has to be money directly deposited into my account every two weeks. And it was very hard to get off of that. It's like an addiction because it's a, life preservation addiction like knowing that it takes a while once you know that there are seasons of money and then I can save what I made in those seasons you know what I mean and you have then I began to find a new way of of functioning with the money coming once a month instead of once every two weeks I found out it was the same amount of money coming once a month. So it's okay. the same thing. <laughs> so it just took breaking that habit of, of needing that two-week deposit. But my job <laughs> was so... Um, what is the word? <laughs> I guess it's just the way everybody feels about their job. You oh, would give and give and give and give and work and work and really be um, the person who's doing a lot of the moving this thing along and, and creating the reputation. And you wouldn't get, I wouldn't get any of that. Um, not only would it not be acknowledged, I was being treated like I wasn't doing all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I said, well. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I need to move side on that one. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's just too much. And I realized that it's just, it's just like anything else. I was being pushed out of it. Like mm. just being pushed out of the idea of the workforce. Like just being wedged out, like this is not the place for you. Like you're, you're gonna, I know what you're gonna do. You're gonna jump on Indeed.org and you're gonna start looking for a replacement job real quick. And you need to just, just calm down. Yeah. And um, I had the money coming in from the sales that I would make from people seeing things on Instagram, and then that got topped with the money I'd make at the end of every month in the market. So at one point I was making more with the art than I was making from my job. So mm-hmm. I said, this was just a natural progression that I probably should have came to a long time ago. 
this is just life progression and life has been trying to kick me out of the workforce for a very long time i just i don't think i believed in myself mm-hmm. and of course i was an addict to the two week yeah um <laughs> direct right. deposit <laughs> right yeah we all are yeah. yeah i was like this is how you this is how you get paid yeah. but that is not that doesn't have to be how you get paid. You could get paid every month and it'd be a bigger check than what you got in a month from, you know, a job. So, Were there any other um, adjustments you needed to make? And you talk about shifting your mindset from a like two week deposit, but any other lifestyle changes that came with? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't buy anything. <laughs> Like the only thing I can buy is the supplies that I need to make these things. <laughs> I can buy food to stay alive. <laughs> no, don't, don't scare the people. <laughs> it's just the truth. Like you have to, but once you make the commitment, you don't even think about buying anything. Like once you make the commitment, it's not even on your mind to go shopping, but you're definitely not going to <laughs> That's over. Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> I feel like... And keep your receipts from buying supplies, because then at least you could turn those in when you do taxes and get some get that back. <laughs> You're not gonna get the money back from buying, you know, those earrings or that dress or those shoes. You can't turn that in. <laughs> okay. Have you seen, because you've been doing this for a year, so have you have you had two seasons yet of, like, the markets that you were talking about? I haven't had two full seasons. Okay. This, this season coming up is, this season coming up is going to be, you know, what really defines it. Um, I'm so excited about it. Every time I do the market, I make a certain a certain amount. So I've got like a, I've got sort of a expected income out of it that, okay. you know, that I'm able to get. And I had only been able to do it ever, ever so often. Now this season, I'm able to do it every month until, until it dies down, you know, until that productive season or summer season dies down. So I'm looking at making more than I ever have from it thus far and then knowing that fast forward to the next season if everything keeps going like it's going (laughs) then I'll be able to make more you know so this is the first time that I've ever kind of like in that movie Moana when she got (laughs) when I don't know if everybody has seen it but the island girl in the south pacific and she gets her boat it's a homemade boat you got to get it past the reef otherwise you can't go out you know you're not going to be successful out in the ocean you're just going to get pushed back so this season is me getting past the reef (laughs) (laughs) finally will be where it's like okay now this is my steady routine of i'm in this I'm in the successful season and I can be in it every single opening, you know, and I get to see what that's like. Well, I'm excited for you. Okay. 
<laughs> so you mentioned like you read this article in Vogue and that made you decide to try out Instagram. Do you have any other forms of like uh, continuing education or even mentors to help you kind of navigate the art world? Well, right now I'm taking a ceramics class because I want to be able to offer more than painting. So I'm taking the class that's going to help me have sculptures for sale. Um, the mentors that I meet, I meet at the markets. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we, cause you're around each other. I think it's three days in a row. Okay. Um, so you're around each other all of those days and you're watching them, you're learning from them. The market is a teacher. It's gonna like, you learn from all the other vendors. Okay. But I've had so many good mentors but it was at the time where I wasn't mentally ready. I didn't know that that this was my path. I don't know how I didn't know, but <laughs> I don't know why I didn't know. But at those times, I had mentors that were willing to show me all of this, but I was too scattered. And, you know, I just, I didn't see it as an outlet that would be successful and, so I kind of wasted the the times when I had some really good mentors like lined up to help. So let's let's talk about that as far as just your journey. Because um, when I met you, you were in art school. We were both in college. You were painting, and mm. you moved to New York. You were con you were still painting in New York too. Yes. So, what do you think it was that you know this? I don't know you were how when you started painting, but you've been painting as long as I've known you. <laughs> That's close to I don't know, <laughs> 16, 17, almost twenty years maybe. What what was that like? Where you were you were painting, but you didn't think that you could kind of be a full time artist. I just in in the back of my mind, I believed what everybody said about artists that you were going to be poor, you weren't going to make a lot of money. Um, I was around people in Brooklyn who were making money from being <laughs> artists. <laughs> and it was still kind of in the back of my head, but I would push through it. I would push through that and continue on to try. And I was in a good environment. I started working at or interning at Rush Arts Gallery or the Corridor Gallery, the one in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was surrounded by so many people that were on the same grind that I was on and showing different levels of success. And even though I didn't really believe that the path was going to generate much success or um, fi financial success anyway, mm -hmm. um, I pushed through, but in Brooklyn, I had a major loss. Um, my, I lost my dad. And mm -hmm. I will say that I spiraled from that for a, uh, almost a decade. Wow. I know. So, <laughs> like, I, spir I let everything go. So everything that I was any good at, I, I stopped doing it. So I stopped making music. I stopped making art. I stopped all of that. I felt like it was all some type of selfish ambition. It was mm. vain because I knew that my dad had congestive heart failure. And he looked very, very healthy. And he was always joking. And he never wanted you to think 
that he was sick. Well, after he passed, we found out how much he was struggling. He was struggling with health insurance, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not he could get his medicine. And I felt like everything I was pursuing kept me from being at home. I could have been at home and then I would have known these things. Oh, and wow. so I really stopped everything and became kind of a helpmate to <laughs> whoever in my family I thought needed it. Okay. <laughs> It's just kind of like you just get these wrong perceptions. Mm. And I mean, I guess that's everybody's reality. You, yeah. you, life happens and you think the lesson is this. And then it's like, yeah, no, that wasn't the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called adulting. <laughs> trying to figure stuff out. Like, oh, and I found out that it's not the lesson to go and, and be a helpmate to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I found that out because people were like, you know, after me walking away from everything to help them, they were looking at me like, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> when are you leaving? <laughs> <laughs> like, they didn't see it as help. And I swore I was helping. <laughs> I, left I moved in with my sister in Chicago. I thought I left her all alone with a baby. It's very selfish. I'm going back and I'm going to be there. I'm going to be the babysitter, the homework person, the, you know, his buddy when he needs a buddy or what. I'm going to be there. Yeah, she was like, uh huh. (laughs) I didn't realize. I didn't realize that I had missed the mark. And then a friend of mine had a baby. And while she was pregnant, she was on bed rest. And I was like, well, she's going to need somebody to be there the whole time. And da, da, da. And while I was being everybody's helpmate, I would just work to, you know, financially support myself. So my life became no art, no music, ah. and just working. I would squeeze a little art in here and there. Um, you know, I'd squeeze a couple art projects in. But it definitely didn't have a direction. So. Right. I learned the long, the wrong lesson uh, <laughs> from grief. <laughs> wow! So you you brought up music. Are you still? Are you back doing music? Because we we haven't talked about that. <laughs> uh, I'm not back doing music. I do write songs. Okay. Uh, I do write songs, and every once in a while, I'll record one, but it'll just kind of be like on a phone or something. Now, what kind of songs are you writing? For those who are listening, can I say your your stage name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jabba Jones. But what kind of music are you making? Um, let me see. What would it be called? <laughs> I would say a huge influence for the songs I'm making now is probably Erica Badu. Um, okay. So it's still hip hop based. It's still storytelling. Okay. But kind of like how Erica Badu pays homage to different styles of music, mm-hmm. some of the story writing will come up, you know, uh, in different styles. But it's not, it's not a lot of rapping. Okay. Uh, I still have to reconcile with rapping. I have to reconcile with it. I really felt like when I was at my height of rapping, um, 
and I lost my dad, I really felt like it was such a vain um, um, expression. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's not what it is, but I really came to think that it was very vain and boastful and self-centered. So how did you, <clears throat> I mean, we talked about, you know, you hating your job and that, that definitely will push you into entrepreneurship, but, you know, you had a decade of kind of wandering away from all your art. Yeah. What else projected you into, like, I need to get back to that outside of a job? Because, I mean, you were dealing with a lot of layers of things that kept you away from your art. Like, did a light bulb go off just one day? Well, yes. One of the jobs I had at one point. <laughs> okay. At one point, I had two jobs. Okay. And the first one I would go to in the morning was an art gallery in the in O'Hare Airport. And um, artists, the owner, who was a very interesting person, um, would buy art and all kind of other stuff. Some of it I wouldn't even say. <laughs> but he would buy art from artists, and then he'd mark it way up and sell it in, mm. in gallery. And some of it wasn't original art. It was like prints on canvas. And I would watch people come in. People who didn't expect to buy any art that day would come in and spend $800 before they fly it. You're like, what? <laughs> this happens every day. And when I first got the job, I was like, well, people aren't going to buy this stuff. I'm just kind of here and getting back. <laughs> oh, we're in a museum. <laughs> right. I'm looking here to, you know, to waste time until they flight. So, okay. you know, people would come in there and spend $1,000, $800. Just, I didn't even intend to spend this money, but that looks cool. It's like, that's not even an original painting. And I'm telling them, this is a copy. <laughs> and they'll buy it, and they'll pay an arm and a leg for shipping. And I used to be like, this is crazy. But <laughs> then I realized it's not crazy. <laughs> there are people in the world who have an appreciation for art, and those people who have an appreciation for art want to have it. And they will they respect the price of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, that was one very eye-opening thing. Good. So you got little lessons along the way yeah. <laughs> to help you get yeah. back to your art. That's great. Oh, there were a million hints throughout <laughs> my life. I mean, I mean, when they say at the end of your life, you'll have to like get, you have to look over your whole life. I'm telling you, I'm going to look over every moment where it's like, and this is where you should have started. And this is where you should have Like I look back now and I see how many opportunities I had to start an art, to, to start selling my work and being successful. I just, I thought I believed in it and I didn't. And the truth mm. is I didn't. Wow. Well, that is, I mean, you, you got the lesson. It took a minute, but you got it. I'm telling you. Man, it's taken quite a minute. So, I mean, you talked about some of the challenges, but like, what has been the most rewarding thing out of this year of being a full-time artist? Well, the most rewarding thing is knowing that I can earn enough money you know, selling my art, mm -hmm. that's been the most rewarding because 
um, it just takes the, it takes exactly the same hustle mind frame that it takes having any job. Mm-hmm. It's just put it into your own and watching it, excuse me, watching it result in success is the most rewarding because like I said, I, I obviously never believed. <laughs> so, so watching it result into success is like, oh, <laughs> It's like I finally get to believe, and mm. so, which is really sad. But it's just- no, it's. I mean, I'm inspired by it. <laughs> if somebody listening to this will be inspired by it. So that's what you going through all that is for. So I mean, I feel like you covered this, but like, is there anything else that you learned about yourself through this process? I learned that. No matter how confident you think you are, you could think you're the most confident person in the world. I used to get on a microphone and stand in front of all kinds of people. I would battle the scariest person from wherever. And you think that takes confidence. No matter how confident you think you are, if you're holding back from doing something that you clearly have the ability to do, you have to check your confidence. You have to you have to check your confidence and realize that you think you're confident, but you're not. Because if you were, you wouldn't have something staring you in the face saying, look, you can do this. Why not do this? You know, so well, that's one of the that's one of the biggest lessons I learned is that when you're not confident, sometimes you don't even know it. <laughs> you know, that's true. That is yeah. true. That's a good lesson to learn. Um, Outside of that, in terms of like someone who wants to sell their art online or is thinking the same thing, like, hey, nobody can make any real money with being an artist. What would be kind of some advice you would give to them to be able to get started with selling their their art? I would say definitely start an Instagram. If you start an Instagram, make sure you have an Etsy page. I just say Etsy because that is a site uh, where it's all kind of set up for you. If you know how to d- set up an Instagram or a Facebook, then you know how to set up an Etsy. Okay. It, it runs the exact same way as setting up any other social media page, except people can, with a credit card, can buy <laughs> what they right. And also the hashtagging on Instagram. So you want to think about who you want to buy the work um, and you hashtag whatever their world is. Mm. Well, I always thought about interior designers and people who spend a lot already to do home staging, they'll stage an apartment or a loft because they want somebody to come and move in. And they'll buy all kinds of things to fill that loft with. So they're probably buying framed artwork. So I would hashtag things like staging homes, real estate, interior design, like that. And then if a designer comments like, I like this or, oh, that's really cool, then tell them something like, we can barter. I'll send you one if you take a picture with it that I can use, you know, in, a, in an interior that you've done. Um, or something, if, if there's somebody who has a bigger outlet than you that comments, even if it's just a small comment, 
like follow through on that where it could result in a sale or a project or or you know a barter or something okay that is very useful thank you where can people find you on um instagram or any other place so your etsy page how do they find you um, on my instagram page i'm natalie o decor so it's just natalie n-a-t-a-l-i-e o-d-e-c-o-r natalie o decor and then i'm natalie o decor on etsy as well and then if you're in chicago during any of the randolph street markets then come to randolph street market and see me well that was natalie osborne that is natalie o decor on etsy and on instagram i hope you enjoyed that episode as much as i enjoyed talking to her um if you did and you haven't already please subscribe and rate us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on and if you have feedback or questions that you want me to cover on a future episode please email me at tanisha at blackfaves.com that's t-a-n-i-s-h-a at blackfaves b-l-a-c-k-f-a-v-e-s dot com the email will also be included in the show notes and for those who are looking for black entrepreneurs please visit blackfavesmarket.com subscribe to the newsletter browse the products that we have on the site right now natalie old decor is one of them she has two pieces of work that are on the website and that's all folks uh thank you for listening to this first episode shout out to those who create their own don't stop be encouraged and keep creating peace